Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast. Answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Good Thursday, everybody, and welcome into the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast here at BallQuest.com and BallQuest on the YouTube channel. As always, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for watching us, and thank you for subscribing to the BallQuest YouTube channel and liking this video so we can get in front of more Tennessee fans. This BallQuest Mailbag Podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Exterior Home Solutions. For a free estimate, go ahead and give them a call today at 865-524-5888. That's 865-524-5888 for our friends over at Exterior Home Solutions. Awesome price. Rob Lewis, Brent Hubs, I am Eric Kane. Got a lot going on today, so we'll jump into it. CN31 says, there's been a lot of talk about Zakat Ziegler on defense, which we definitely do, but some of the Auburn defensive issues, could they have come from Mayshack and Josiah Jordan-James being in foul trouble early throughout the game with their limited minutes, Rob. Yeah, I mean, sure, especially Jemai. I mean, Jemai ended up you know, playing less than 20 minutes in that game because of foul trouble. But I still, I mean, I, I still point to Zakai. I mean, would, and, and, I mean, this is one one guy, and the Wendell Green was a non-factor here in, in Knoxville. He was two for 11, and he killed Tennessee at Auburn. It, you know, 24 points, was in the lane all, all, all day long, especially the second half. And it, it, believe me, I, I, I know it may be oversimplifying to say that was just Zakai, but to me that was that was where I noticed him the most. I mean, Tennessee scored seventy points at, at Auburn. That's I mean, it's not outstanding, but the way this team plays defense, that's a, that's enough to win a, most of the games that they play. So, you know, obviously they missed Zakai on offense, but I, I thought defensively is where he, he jumped out the most. Sloppy Vol wants to know for AP if you had to guess uh, the next commit will come from what position group? Oh man, that's a good one. Um, something tells me offensive line. I don't know, offensive line or corner. Percentage? I'm not doing those. Okay. Another corner. Tennessee's already got a couple of corners in the class. Um. Let's go to Southerner 98, uh, an admin question about the baseball renovations, Brent. After completion of the renovations at Lindsey Nelson Stadium, what will the new capacity number be, and did the proposed renovations get approved for the new dorm behind the right field fence? The uh, the, the attendance number is probably going to be around eight, I think, when, when it's all said and done. And then in terms of the, the proposal with – uh, the dorm behind right field that is in the zero to five year plan. It's in design phase right now. It's not gotten to construction phase, but it is in the design phase in the master plan that was permitted or was presented to the board of trustees at the end of February. It is on that plan um, in the next 
zero to five years. Um, but, but again, it's not going to happen at the same time that the renovations happened at Lindsey Nelson stadium. So it's not going to happen next year or the year after it's probably in a three year window or so. Part of the issue there is, and the reason it's going to happen is they need dorm space in such a bad way on campus. And that's going to be the, a residential center uh, on Todd Helton drive, which would have a, an indoor baseball facility of some kind attached to it. Funding is going to come partly from the state and then partly from donor funds as well. It'll come from the, the orange and white game. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Nashville 615. It's highly unlikely Tennessee starts recruiting like Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state, et cetera. Uh, and we, uh, you know, we have five stars everywhere. So the alternative is to be development. How does Tennessee end up with a veteran roster? How do redshirt guys in the transfer? How do you redshirt guys in the transfer portal era? And should Tennessee be swinging harder, harder at top portal guys? Well, you read the, the guys that you end up inevitably redshirting are probably ones that could not go to an Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State. You, your top end guys, you're probably not redshirting those, Hubbard. But some players that you know pick Tennessee over. South Carolina, Kentucky, those type teams, they're a little, bit more, a little more willing to sit for a year. Um, but still, at the end of the day, it is much harder to do that in this era than it was before, um, which is why you should never fall in love with a ton of players. Um, you like what you have that current year, but it, it's going to rapidly change, and kids will leave for a myriad of reasons. It won't always be NIL. Sometimes it'll be playing time. Sometimes it's just, hey, I took my shot in the dark at Tennessee – it didn't work out. Now I'm going to go back closer to home and play at school X, you know, or there'll be times that it works in Tennessee's favor. Hey, I took my shot at Georgia. Now I'm coming back home to play at Tennessee or whatever. So, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, it, it becomes more difficult, but I think it's more the style and type of player than it is um, anything else. Yeah. I mean, I think with the exception of a couple of developmental positions, Rob, you got to play guys early play them on special teams, get them involved, get them on the field. I think red shirting guys is harder and harder to do outside of maybe the offensive line, uh, but because of the transfer portal. I mean, guys just don't just don't want to set, and, and that's just the world we live in. So you better play them early and get them on the field in some capacity. Yeah, and if you if you are red shirting them, unless however you're talking about you know the devel developmental position, which offensive line is definitely one. I would think that's going to be something that you probably need to talk about in, in the recruiting process as opposed to a kid comes in, you know, doesn't get on special teams, doesn't get on the field, and boom, you're telling him in October, hey, you know, you're probably not going to play this, let, let, let's redshirt. I, I think in the transfer portal era, it's that, that gets sticky. And, and I think, too, it's harder to redshirt kids uh, or – Maybe it's maybe the better way to say it is it's easier to play kids early, Austin, because so many of those guys are midtermers. Guys who come in, they go through a, a winter workout, they go through a spring practice, putting themselves in a position to play. I mean, if you're a midterm enrollee, you're you're coming here not with the idea of redshirting. You're coming here with the idea of of, of playing if you're a football guy because you're getting a jump start on everybody. So I, I think that makes it more challenging to redshirt guys. I think we'll just see fewer redshirts unless it's a guy that you only end up playing four games and he Offensive gets to the end of the year. Yeah, or, or a guy that, you know, is a linebacker that plays, you know, four games or he's played three games through the middle of the season and you go to him and say, hey, you play one more, but you get the year back. Let's do that as opposed to, you know, 
necessarily not playing playing just five games, I guess is what I'm saying. So um, I just think you're going to see fewer red shirts. Yeah, the it, I mean, different sport, but, you know, we're the same subject. We're talking about, um, you know, had, had the, the, the feature on Freddie DeLeon that, that was up on the site this week. And I was talking to Justin Ganey, the assistant coach, and he, you know, you're not, and he was talking about the, you know, kids doing what Freddie did, giving up the, their senior season and rolling, even when they know they're not going to play. You don't see it much in college basketball. And Justin told me he thinks, you know, he doesn't think it's going to be commonplace like it is in football, but because of the transfer portal and because, you know, you're, you're losing the kid, you know, like, like a Devontae Gaines, who might have played eight, 10 minutes on this team. He thinks you, the freshmen are going to be more important, not just your one and duns or not just your, you know, your Julian Phillips types. He thinks there's going to be an opportunity for more kids to come in and be, you know, get on the court early because so many kids are transferring out. And um, he doesn't think that the Freddie DeLeons are going to be commonplace, but thinks that you're going to see more of, of those kids, but it's going to be, you know, program specific to their needs. I do think that, especially in football, being able to play in four games now versus the old way where you couldn't play at all, um, I think that does kind of temper some of those kids that get antsy because they're at least getting their feet wet. You know, they're, they're getting to, you know, sit at the big kid table for a brief minute, right? I mean, it, it, it's – I think it, it, if this was 10 years ago and if you played, you burned, then it'd be different. But you get to play in those four games and it doesn't hurt you. So I think that that, that, that to me, is a buffer to keep some kids from getting too anxious when now they can just decide again when they get a hangnail, they're going to the portal. Well, and here's the other thing too. I mean – one of the benefits for Josh Heupel is what's going to happen in April in the NFL draft, because those are guys who are getting drafted because of development. You know, they weren't, they weren't just guys that come in and were ready for the league in, in year one, they developed in the program and, and, and played and got better and improved their draft stock. That helps you with that notion as well. And, and, and here's the thing, all those guys need development in football, Eric. I mean, right. How many five, I mean, there's a few, there's a handful that got off the bus ready to play. Mm-hmm. But but most all guys, whether you're four star, five star, three star, need need some early development in your career. You're not really ready. Yeah, no doubt, and it's obviously a big jump. And in whatever sport you're choosing to play, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, whatever, from high school to college, but just the physical makeup of of who plays the game, it's it's a diff- it's different in in football. And so a lot of times you just you need that development, that time of the strength and conditioning, that time of the nutrition and plan. It's just different. There'll be some guys that come in and play right away as a defensive back or, you know, uh, of course, you know, Trevor Lawrence came in and played quarterback a couple years ago and there's been other quarterbacks like that, but it's I feel like it's more few and far between in the sport of football that come in and like are impact players right away as true freshmen. Now there are some, but I think it's few and far between. Um, Doolittle Vol wants to know about the secondary. He said, I thought Slaughter was our best cornerback and Walker was our best safety. Do you think both will be starters come the fall? And if not, what is keeping that from happening? I think both start. I, I, I think that's that's two of your top four if they stay healthy. I, I don't – Austin, I mean, we talked about this earlier this week. I mean, Danico Slaughter, to me, is in your starting lineup as a corner because he was your best corner, if he'll embrace the corner position. And 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 Walker's a guy who, who made an impact. I mean, he, he didn't play a couple balls perfectly, but he made enough of an impact. To me, those are your two – most experienced, 
veteran productive guys you've got rolling into spring practice. Well, and Walker came here to play safety. He he left Georgia Tech to come here to play safety. Now, that didn't work out in year one, which is why he kind of got antsy at points in time during last year. But he should be one of those two safeties. Now, the question is, is do they stick with Jalen McCullough? My big thing is, if, if Tennessee rolls in there with McCullough and Warren Burrell in the secondary, there's going to be a lot of anxious moments amongst people that watch this program. Because I think everybody is ready to um, kind of get some new blood in the secondary. Um, we'll see. Um, you know, again, until until someone beats them out, I think those players in their mind think they'll be the guy. And I think that most fans think, okay, I've got to kind of see it to believe it to realize they're going to, hey, move to Jordan Thomas or move on to Chris, Christian Charles or, you know, Gabe Judy Lally or whoever in the secondary. So I'm interested to kind of see how the secondary plays out above any other position, even above offensive tackle, above any of that stuff. It's going to be fascinating to me to see what they do and how they do it. Canada Vol wants to know what level do you think is realistic for Tennessee to aspire in terms of recruiting, even in the years uh, where Tennessee is normally around 15 in the rankings. That's when Tennessee has been really good this year. It has been about around 10. Could it ever be really a top five team or class year after year in terms of recruiting? You know, I mean, I don't know. I think the more you win, the more traction you get. Um, you know, again, I think if you put last year's class in another year, it's probably right there, French top five. I think that the, the, the whole thing was so top heavy last year. I mean, it was, or not, not top heavy. It was more spread out. Um, I mean, there were to me really good classes at 12, 13, 14, like that, you know, any other year, they're top 10 classes. And so, um, you know, I think that ultimately it's hard to get there year after year after year. I don't want to say it can't happen. Again, the biggest thing is hub said is be in the top 10, be eight, be nine every year. Maybe you get to a three or four some years, but be eight or nine, and then develop, develop, develop. No, and it, it's about who you're beating out too, right, Rob? No. I mean, it's. Well, I mean, I mean, Hubbard was just going to say for sure they could be top five. I mean, when when you, I mean, when you started this thing, what was Tennessee recruiting at? I mean, when I came on in two thousand and two, I mean, it was. I mean, Tennessee was in on everybody. I mean, literally everybody. I mean, Philip had them in on everybody. I mean, just. It's 20 years later, but there's no reason that Tennessee can't recruit like Clemson. You, you got to win. I mean, that's it. I mean, Clemson wasn't bringing in top five classes every year before, you know, they, I mean, they, they brought in guys, they developed them. They eventually got to that level where they're winning and, you know, guys want to go there and play. I mean, absolutely Tennessee can get there. No, no question about it. Well, and, and right now, Tennessee's a sexier school, right? They're, 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 they're kind of the hip, fun school right now. For a lot of reasons. Like hubs with a new hip, Rob. Sexier, baby. The presentation is better. He's built for speed. He's built for speed now. AP AP saw me earlier this week. There's nothing speedy about my movements in life right now. Um, So it's it's one of those deals where the presentation is better. The style of play, um, development of players, winning, all those things matter. I mean, look, I mean – Devin Hobbs is at Tennessee in part because Tennessee won last year, right? Arian Carter, if Tennessee, if Tennessee is not a, 
in the in the conversation, Austin, where's Tennessee with Arian Carter at the end of the day? Or if, if David Hobbs in, in Alabama. In, how about if David Hobbs isn't in Neyland Stadium when you know when when all hell when pandemonium breaks loose and, and when they beat Alabama? I mean, you, you think that didn't make an impact on David yeah. Hobbs or, yeah. or how many other kids were here that night? It's all about winning. Winning, winning, winning. And if I mean, Hubbard, seriously, think, more people come. What do you, what do you, I mean, I have no idea who was here, but just think back to like the, the third weekend in January in 2004. I mean, who all did Philip have on campus that weekend? I mean, that's, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm sure me and you had a long Sunday. Yeah, it was and a who's who. We're calling, I mean, you know, calling kids from California to, to New York to, to Florida. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, it, it, and that was where they were. I mean, you go back to when Eric Berry, the year he came, Austin, what was that visit weekend? Ben Martin and who all was in that crew that, that year that, that showed up? That was the Adam Meyer spot, Ben Martin. I mean, I, I, I was in Eric San Antonio Berry. that year. I mean, there's um, like there was like three or four five-stars at that game because Tennessee more, was cool. I mean, and Chris and Scott, I mean, Jonathan Crompton could have gone anywhere in the country. Yeah. I mean. Oh, yes, they can get there. To answer yes. that question. Short answer. Yeah, they can get there. Well, let's move on now to the Swagger 12. Uh, he's got two questions. First is uh, any chance we see Perry or T-Lander move to the outside? Uh, Tennessee's base defense is a 4-2-5, meaning the two linebackers are in-the-box players. By moving to the outside, maybe edge? I, Austin, I would assume those, those two guys are inside guys and likely not to be edge players in their careers, right? Well, I mean – in theory, but like they played the one backer as kind of an outside backer. Um, and that's how Tennessee looks at it. So like Elijah Herring, Keenan Peely, similar position. Whereas Arion would be more the backup to Aaron Beasley, who again can is an inside guy, but but on trips or duck, like you can go out and split the difference and play really outside the box. Yeah. Size wise, he's more of an outside linebacker traditionally. So um yeah. I, I, don't I think the edge, no. Yeah, I think Perry's an inside the box guy all the way. If if there's anybody that can play a little bit on the edge with with some pat more a little bit more pass coverage responsibility, a little bit more of what you saw from maybe Beasley or Banks at times in in certain schematics. T. Lander is a guy who's bumped outside a little bit in high school. I think Perry's an inside in the box, more traditional inside linebacker all the way. And, and T. Letter may end up being that way, but he at least bounced outside some in high school. And how did the visit from the offensive lineman from California go this past weekend? Um, Matt was supposed to catch up with him. I have not talked to Matt about that. Okay, we'll update coming soon here at VolQuest.com. Also, it is the month of uh, madness because it is March Madness time. You can get in on all that action, make some money over at MyBookie. Getting started is super easy. Visit MyBookie online and use the promo code VOLQUEST to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Then grab your extra funds and, for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance and some really big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets and to get that advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber. All that for a shot at life-changing amount of money. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and win like MyBookie. Bet everything, anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we'll move on now to iHeart Vols. Has there ever been a more frustrating basketball player in recent history than Josiah? Don't get me wrong. I'm sure he's a great young man and he's represented the university with class. But with his physique and raw athleticism, he should be dominating this league. I, I think that Olivier and Campbell is at least as frustrating, if not more frustrating than Josiah. I mean, Josiah is, I mean, not, I mean, I don't, I don't think Josiah should be dominating the SEC. I think that's, that's a little strong, but yeah, I mean, with his physical gifts, I, if he were more assertive, I could see him being better. But I mean, if you look at the stat lines, I, I don't think you're going to see a more frustrating college basketball player than Olivier. If you look at a, a, a guy that he had, a, he had a 10 for 10 effort, <laughs> you know, an SEC game against South Carolina, scored 27 points in a win over Texas here at home. And then, you know, last week at Auburn, doesn't even attempt a field goal or grab a rebound in the second half. I mean, Josiah can be up and, up and down. He's not as up and down as that. Sam Smith, 22-33, with the way the SEC tournament is laid out, how many minutes per game would you expect B.J. Edwards to get this week? Why does Tennessee struggle so much with fundamental baseball? Rob, you want to go first? Uh, man, I'll go first. I mean, they just played two games with, without Zakazi, or, or pretty much two games, and BJ didn't play. I don't know why I'd expect him to play this week. Brent, I think with the baseball question, um, I mean, it's not like a, there's an easy answer there. They practice that stuff. They go over it all the time. They they have situations first to third with one out, first to third with two outs, you know, whatever the case is running on contact, bunt down the first baseline compared to the third baseline with a runner at third base. They they do these situations all the time in practice. That's why they scrimmage all the time in preseason and in the fall. Um, so I don't, I don't have an easy answer for that. I know that they're going to be an aggressive team on the base pass. They have been every year. Tony Vitello's been here. But there's a line there to where you want to balance aggression and foolishness. And more times than not, not just this year, but in recent years as well, Tennessee's been foolish on the base pass. A perfect example is on Tuesday night when that game did not need to go into extra innings. You had a runner at third base, which, by the way, he shouldn't have been at third base. That was foolish to begin with, too, running through a stop sign by Blake Burke. Yeah. But you had a guy that was at third base with no outs, game tied, and Tennessee couldn't get him in because of foolish base running. So I don't have an answer for that, um, but that's something Tennessee needs to kind of channel in on, Brent. Well, and, and Blake, I mean, Blake Burke missed the stop sign because he never looked at the third base coach. Yeah. If you watch the replay, he's got his head turned back to right field as he's rounding second base, and then his head goes down, and he's, he's, in a, he's in a sprint there. Here's the thing. This is not, as you said, a new a new issue or a new thing. The, the, pro, the difference is last year, Austin, they could just get away with it. 
right? If you don't get the bunt down and move the guy from first to second with no out in the seventh inning, the guy behind him might come up and hit a bomb and you score the two runs anyway. So, so some of those small ball, fundamental baseball things that if you missed on them, it wasn't the end of the world because you had all the bats to bail you out one through nine in the batting order. That's not where this team is right now. And this team, I don't think, is going to be that way this year, uh, one through nine. So you have to play um, the small ball stuff. you got to do the little things better that you can get away with messing up last year and overcome it because of all the big bats. Well, and, and last year they couldn't get down the simple bunt. You know, that was a, that was a, an Achilles heel for them last year, a bunch. And, you know, this year, you know, the, it's, it's base running. As, as Eric said, if, if Burke's at second, they likely don't bring one of the outfielders in and play the way they played. And, you know, again, it's if, if and buts, it is what it is. You're not winning or losing the SEC, winning or losing the regional on a Tuesday night against Boston College in March. It, you know, okay. you hope you learn from it and get better from it. Yeah, you, have, you have to get better from it, Yeah. Eric. Uh, but also, Brent, I mean, just to, uh, just to draw another play from that Tuesday game, and again, there's been plenty of situations, you know, in other games this season and in last year, but to draw another play from Tuesday, you have Christian Scott in center field, you know, a little bloop single, it actually turned into a double. Christian Scott is calling for it, backpedaling, turning around, trying to go in the outfield, calling off Scott and Booker or Scott and Merritt in the outfield saying that's his ball. That's not your ball. The, the center fielder needs to come in and take five steps in and make that catch. And there's just there's no Drew Gilbert out there. There's not an alpha out there right now in a lot of positions to take control, and that that costs Tennessee a run on Tuesday. Yeah, and, and again, and the thing about this team is I don't want anybody to to say that that the suggestion is they have to play perfect because they they don't have to play perfect, okay? But they have to play fundamentally smarter, okay? A year ago they didn't have to, and that's what Tony Vitello was talking about post game. You know, about, you know, it was kind of charmed last year. I mean, look at the games they won, you know, by five, six, seven runs in SEC play. It was a ridiculous amount. I think they were in six one-run games. It was six games last year finished with a one-run difference in the game. Not all those were one-run games, you know, necessarily. But but my point being, they weren't in a lot of those situations a, a year ago uh, but because they could overcome it. It's a little bit like the football deal, right, in defense – if you give up a if you give up a touchdown, you Tennessee fans aren't panicked because they think they're going to score every time they have the ball, right? Last year in baseball, when they went to the when they went to the batter's box, when they went to the dugout to go on offense and to hit, you thought there's a chance they may bat around this inning. They may send nine no. to the plate. This lineup's not going to send nine to the plate on a regular basis. They're they're not they're not going to be this huge big inning baseball team all the time in SEC play. That's why they have to execute the small things better than they executed them a year ago. They could get away with not being a good bunting team. An Achilles heel didn't cost them. It was still a problem, but it didn't cost them. It will cost them this year, Eric, if they don't clean that stuff up. I agree. And I said this in the I said this in the thread last night. Like y- you can't compare every baseball team to what Tennessee was in 2022. Again, that lineup was fantastic. Kind of what you're saying. Those seven, eight, nine hitters. I mean, you had Evan Russell and Luke Lipsius in the bottom third of your order a lot of the times. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like that shit doesn't happen. So when the margin for error is slim, like it was at Grand Canyon, like it was last night in a midweek when you're throwing a bullpen game against a an okay opponent, 
you can't make those types of mistakes. Those types of mistakes will get you beat. So when you're in those dogfights in SEC play, when you're when you're trying to win four to two and five to three, you can't make errors on the base pass. You can't make errors in the field. It's it's just everything's that that much more magnified, if you will. So we'll see how they respond. It's a talented team. I, I think they're going to be okay, but it was sloppy on Tuesday for sure. Uh, Vulcan wants to know: Do you guys know the weight of offensive tackle Brian Grant? Where he's up to right now, and where if the staff is pleased with his development from his recruitment? I, you know, I don't know a specific weight number, Austin. I think it's a big spring for him, and, and one of the things he's got to do is show more physicality, and, and that should come with the improved, you know, weight numbers and improved strength numbers. But that's an area where he's got to to, to step forward. I think athletically, he's got some skill, but but he's got to show more physicality than, than he did at, at any point last fall. Fair? Agreed. Again, he was a project going into last fall. No one expected him to be on the field at all. It just needs to, you know, really put on the weight. I mean, he's still not bigger. Uh, I mean, he's bigger, but he's still not big as big as they would like him to be. Um, but you're right. Playing physical, um, playing a certain way, um, that's, that's something I think they're looking for this spring. Another one here from Vulcan, Rob. Is there a real possibility that only Awaka from the 2022 class is still on the basketball roster at the start of next season? Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't. I don't know why anybody would think that. I mean, who who, who are we talking, talking about? DJ Jefferson, Awaka, Joey Julian, DJ DJ Edwards. Yeah. I mean, I mean, kids move all the time, but I mean, I don't in, in this day and age. But I don't have any reason to think any of those guys are leaving, except unless Julian leaves for the draft. As Pitval wants to know, how likely is it that Julian Phillips enters the NBA draft following his freshman season? Any chance he returns for one more year? My, it, whether we're talking about March 2023, March 2022, March 2021, here's my answer: Kids and their parents are going to get. They're going to go through the process. He's going to get feedback. I don't know what the answer is going to be. It just takes one team. And I know. I mean, I, I I'm, I've got three NBA scouts that I I talked to and or play golf with regularly and julian Phillips is on everybody's radar everybody he is is that what you said he is on everybody's radar but he's also not a lot to to get drafted i mean he's people have different opinions everybody see everybody sees the measurements long super athletic can jump out of the gym and then everybody has the same questions where's the production where's where's the consistency but, you know, the NBA drafts on potential. I mean, you get tired of saying that, but if you don't believe it, you don't follow the league. I mean, kids like Julian that have Julian's, you know, numbers in college get drafted all the time in the first round. And, you know, some of them work out, some of them don't. But I don't – short answer, I don't know what Julian's going to do. That He and his family will spend the month of April talking with agents, talking with NBA people, and, and they'll make a decision. I can – I mean, Julian is – I mean, it's like I say, I, I talked to several people in the NBA and everybody is aware of Julian. Everybody's looking at him. Everybody's going to be interested, but there's no consensus right now. And remember in that league, you can put your name in the hat and pull your name back and out. And pull it out. And, oh, and I, I 100% expect Julian to do that. Yeah. 100%. He'll, he'll declare, say, you know, I'm getting feedback and then he'll have a chance to come back. All right, got a couple more here. Let's let's blow through through them. Um, let's stay on basketball. I believe Vescovy, JJJ, Kumwa, and Plavis all have uh, their COVID year available. Who do you see potentially using it, Rob? 
I mean, right now I would say nobody, but my, I can have a different answer in two weeks. I mean, uh, I've, I've talked to, I mean, most of those guys and asked them that question and they're all like, you know, I've not, not thought of, not thought about it yet. Trying to play this season out. I've, I've asked coach Barnes about that exact same thing. Not, we've not talked about it yet. There'll be a time for that. Now's not the time. I mean, if I had to bet, I would say none of them, but that, you know, the door's open. None of those kids have shut that door. I would say Euros is the least likely just because I'm, I'm not sure that, that Tennessee would want him back. I, I, and I, I'm not, I'm not being mean, but I mean, you're bringing in, you're bringing in two posts, Kate Phillips, JT Estrella. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think they're ready to, you know, get some other kids in that pipeline. I think Rick would welcome Josiah and Santi back in, in a heartbeat. But those kids are going to have opportunities to make money. I, I don't think of the NBA necessarily, but, but certainly professionally. Yeah, any chance that any of those pass their final year of eligibility on to John Fulkerson to return much to, like to bring Tim, yeah, come back? Mike, John Adams. Now that, that's maybe more <laughs> likely. More likely. Fulky, come back home from Belgium. There, there's no pals <laughs> in Belgium. Come back home. Primary ball handler entering tournament play for Tennessee. Uh, spread out. I, I think that's the biggest difference. For, maybe not the biggest difference, but I think that's one offshoot from Saturday at Auburn is Rick felt like he put way too much on Santiago, who played 39 minutes, was you know also the team's primary ball handler for most of that part. I mean, other people did it. I think Rick is, after Saturday and talking with him, I think he's in it. Whoever gets it, go. Get it up the court. Let's get in our offense. I think you'll see the primary ball handling responsibilities really spread around. After I don't think he liked it at all, but when Santi had it in his hands most of the time. All right, got a couple for AP, then we'll finish off with Brent's. Let's go rapid fire here, recruiting from Athron. Thoughts no, on the recruits? Yes, maybe, no, maybe, yes, no. 50%. 66. Thoughts on the recruits that received offers coming out of junior day? Um, Yeah, I, I think Tennessee is, is, you know, really likes – um, the defensive lineman from South Carolina quite a bit. Um, you know, it, it, talking to some people over on campus, you know, they, they they feel like, you know, he's really progressed the last several months, and that's why they pulled the trigger and offered him. And so, they, they you know, they've been around him before. They think he's gotten better, and time to go. Thoughts on D'Angelo Barber and Peyton Lewis after speaking with them? Uh, Peyton Lewis was one of the more impressive uh, kids that I've been around in a long, long time. Uh, bigger kid than you think. Um, if his speed is real, everybody talks about it. But if it's, if it, I mean, I've watched the film, but again, you can't can't judge how fast the teams he's playing against are. Um, but if if it's what it looks like it is, then and you know, ten, Tennessee would be wise to go pretty hard there. Does Tennessee get a commit before the end of the month? Yes. Percentages. A hundred. Ninety-eight. Position. Ninety-six. Percentage is a defensive lineman, AP. Uh, no. I'm going to go zero on defensive oh, Okay. Line. All right. And last one, when you get into Orlando to try out the new Tron coaster? Uh, man, I've not been to Disney. I've been to Disney World since uh, He's December. big Disneyland guys now, all right? He's got to go cross He's... country. You know, you know, everybody, get off my get – off, get, get off of me. In the last year, I've been – in the last year, I've been to Hawaii, Yellowstone. I'm going to New York next week for spring break, and I'm going to Alaska this summer. So don't talk about this Disney stuff. Yes, I love Disney, and I would gladly go back to Disney World Woo. at any minute. But like, don't act like that's all that I do. But well, I'm saying you can't go to the world anymore. You got to go to the land. That that, that was the joke there. 
but by the way, there are no prospects in Alaska to see. That is not a work trip. For those but there is an offensive lineman in Seattle, which is where I'm going out of, that the ball is just offered. <laughs> Ride it off, baby. We're, he, he's, he's still coming through like the, the – the, the, the Scottish high school football database to see what he can come up with. AP's going to shoot a commitment video from the Space Needle in Seattle. <laughs> or the original Starbucks. I've been there. Space Needle's the fish fun. Market. AP at the fish market. Yeah. It's been there, too. It was an overcast day. Could you believe it? All right, let's finish here with Vol Grad 05. This goes back to something, Brent, that we've been talking about for you know weeks upon weeks upon weeks. Um college football coaches burning out and leaving for the NFL or retiring early. Again, how do you fix that calendar? Um, this poster says, is it as simple as no recruiting on Mondays or Tuesdays or the first weekend in every month of the day or the, the dead period? Um, kind, kind of, again, we don't have all the answers here, but how, how do you go about trying to fix that calendar? So you don't have coaches being burnt out. Well, the first thing, the coaches are never going to stop making phone calls. Okay. So, so you can't go in and say, Hey, you can't call a prospect the third the third Monday of every month. That's a dead day. So you can go home and be with your family. That Kids are going to DM you on Twitter, all those things. That part of it is never going away. So the coaches are talking about, well, I can't go to, to, to movies with my family or whatever. You better learn how to balance that, and you better have enough of a relationship with the kid that you don't think the kid's going to cut you if you don't call him back within 30 minutes of his phone call to you. But that part's never going away. The thing that they have to do if they're going to try to make this work, in my opinion, is they've got to limit the amount of days prospects can be on campuses. Okay. You got to increase the dead period. You got to extend or you got to create another dead period to where guys are not on campus, can't be on campus all of the time. Because what happens is when that's in an open deal, you know, there's the, there's the team bus of the seven-on-seven team that's going to a tournament that calls you at 9 o'clock or 8.30 and says, hey, we're coming through. We won't stop and see. Can we get a tour? You know, can you turn the lights on the stadium and we get a 10 o'clock tour? Well, there might be a guy that you might think about recruiting two years from now so you don't want to tell them no and make somebody mad. So I think that's the only way you can fix it is to alter the calendar to limit the number of days that, that you can you can have kids on campus. That's my opinion, but that's I'm in the minority and nobody's going to go by my rules anyway, but that's where I'm at with it. You yeah, guys and, chime in and fire away. Well, I'm, my only thing would be, you know, cry me a river. You, you, you're making millions and millions of dollars a year. You, you were talking, talking to me about burnout because you have to, you know, work 12 hours a day in December. Talk, you know, what about the single mom with three or four kids that's, you know, working at McDonald's? I, sure, I, I, I hear you, Rob, but like, and I again, I would love to make $275,000 a year, but like, look at Kelsey Pope and Al Gablin. I mean, doesn't, doesn't move the needle for me at all. Go, go get, get, get another profession. I mean, there are coaches like that that are making pennies there compared many, to everybody else on staff that, yeah, you know, are still doing as much work, if not maybe more because they're younger. I mean, it's go, 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 I, work, I, at a, go work at a bank. Well, here, here's my thing, too. I mean, I think it would help the kids, if you, the recruits, if you changed it. Listen, I mean, did Jeremiah T. Lander really need to see Tennessee seven times before making a decision that he was going to Tennessee? Seven times. Seven unofficial visits. You, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, think, I think there's, like, all of the talk at the junior day last Saturday from the coaches was about, we need you back in three weeks to watch <laughs> spring practice. Right? 
like, like, I mean, at some point, kind of enough is enough for, for all of these guys. Okay. And, and, and I, and I get you, Rob, those guys are making a lot of money and, and all those things. And, and listen, if you don't want to do it, then, then, then go get a better job or go get a job in the NFL, which a lot of good coaches are going to do. They're going to get out of it and go make money. Is that good for the college game? Probably not. Okay. But, but at the same time too, I mean, you know, those guys are working, you know, 40 weekends a year, 45 weekends, 50 weekends a year in some cases. I mean, that's a lot. And, and at some point in time, you know, if I can get in the same profession doing what I like to do someplace else, then, then some of those guys are going to take it and they're going to run with it. I mean, I don't think Zach Azani's coming back to the college game anytime soon. <laughs> no, I think he, had opportunities. he had opportunities in the SEC uh, when, when Denver uh, decided to go in a different direction with their staff and, you know, he, he, for him, luckily, he, he caught on with the Jets and still in the league, and he's now fully vested with the coach's pension, and, you know, it, 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 it's a nice life. Well, and again, I think coaches could help themselves as well. I've talked about this before. I mean, did, did they really – did Texas A&M really need to go watch Marcel Reed play a basketball game four weeks after he signed? I mean, you think he's going in the portal? I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? Like – Sometimes it's sometimes it's you do things to overkill. tell everybody you do things. It's overkill type deal. The same with this, like the same notion I struggle with. Well, I can't go watch a movie. I don't believe that. Like, text the kid. I'm at a movie. I'll call you in an hour. You know, I'll call you when I get out. That kid, if that kid's gonna cut you because of that, you didn't have a chance to get the kid anyway. So some of that stuff is a little bit overblown. Some of it I think they could back off because I think there's too much pressure on kids to make too many unofficial visits on their own dime anyway. So I think there's a little bit of balance there that could be found somewhere, somehow. Exterior Home Solutions, they make your home renovations possible, whether it's for roofing, for siding, whatever the case may be. We're in that wintertime period. We're about to transition into spring. Those summer storms are coming. If you have a remodel idea or if you have the, the need for some repair, Exterior Home Solutions can get the job done for you. Hey, if you need a, uh, if you have a need for a free estimate, go ahead and give them a call today at 865-524-5888, 865-524-5888, or visit them online at exteriorhomesolutions.com. Appreciate you guys for tuning in, sending us in some mailbag questions for Austin Price, Rob Lewis, Brent Hubs. I am Eric Kane, and uh, we'll be back on uh, the porch coming up to tomorrow we'll be back on tuesday for another edition of the volquest podcast and plenty of coverage for tennessee basketball recruiting football and baseball all that and more that is at volquest.com you've been listening to the volquest mailbag podcast every week right here on volquest